chapter 15, verses 22 to 33. And that's page 1142, if you're following on in the Blue Bible. Romans chapter 15, verse 22 says, This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. But now there is no more place for me to work in these regions. And since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you when I'm passing through and have you assist me in my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, forever, now however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of God's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owed it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them the material blessings. So after I have completed this task, have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come with the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea, and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will, and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Thank you, Eric. It's great to have you with us. Great to have Cliff Perriam with us. I've been, um, I've been teaching Cliff Perriam from the Bible for over 14 years and I can say that Cliff has taught me far more in those 14 years than I have taught Cliff uh, just by his example, by his love for the Lord Jesus and it's great to have Cliff with us for the last time uh, at our service but it's, it's a real joy. It's always been a joy to have Cliff in our church. Now, one more little previous announcement. We've got some new technology today. Uh, it's called an iPhone, but my iPhone is set up as my clicker. Let's see how we go. Hey, see that? I'm totally in charge today, so watch out. I'm going to pray. Father, help us to look at your word and understand your word. Help me to speak truly and help us to sense your purposes and your heart and how we can conform to those we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the theme, oh, whoops, let me go there. Theme for this year is uh, Exiles Fit for Mission. That's a theme we're wanting across our whole church. That we, as God's people, we, we're actually not at home. We're exiles, we're displaced, but with a purpose, with God's purpose. God's called us out. And so our verse, which the kids have been learning, which really, you know, I don't know if you realise this, kids' talks are really for you guys so that you learn them. Our verse this year, and this is why I've got my glasses on my head, 
But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're God's special possession. You've been called out and set apart that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are exiles. You are God's special people called out, set apart for a purpose to declare God's praises. And so we come to our series in Romans in exile together. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at chapters 14 to 16, the last three chapters in Romans, and we're seeing a community of exiles. Well, they live in Rome, but they're God's people. And what we see in these chapters is that they're doing this exile together. They're not alone. What does it mean to be a community of God's people? In exile together. Well, what does it mean? If we looked back in chapter 13, it means to declare God's praises. Because this community in Rome is made up of both Jew and non-Jew. The nations and the Jewish people as one people of God. And there we Paul quotes from the Old Testament and says, Rejoice, O nations, with God's people. And again, praise the Lord, all you nations or all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples, because there's one body declaring God's praises as exiles fit for mission. Now, Paul, the apostle, by God's grace, has been set apart to be the apostle to the nations, to the Gentiles, to the non-Jew, to us to tell them about Jesus. And what we see in today's passage is that the the Apostle to the Nations writes to the church in Rome and these two themes, this series topic and our theme for the year kind of unite in this passage. That we see this concept of mission for the exiles and the concept of church and being together as exiles unite into Paul's common purpose. They intersect Paul's mission and the community in Rome. Paul is a missionary. He is on a mission. The mission is actually a Latin word. It's not a Greek word that the Bible, New Testament was written in. You don't find that word in the Bible. It just means, the Latin missio means to send. The Greek word for send, the most default word is apostello, from which we get the word apostle. An apostle is just a sent one, someone who's been sent. So Paul, the missionary, is an apostle. He has been sent. Now he's a special apostle, a special sent one by the Lord Jesus. But in that sense, every missionary is in that sense an apostle. And our church has a rich tradition of sending people for the work of the gospel. People like Christine Dillon, Jeff and Beth Dillon, Joy Atkinson, even Brian and Judy Dillon and many others in the past have been sent as, if you like, apostles, as missionaries from our church. And we have a church vision. Eric read it at the start. Part of that is that we want to send more people. We want to be a fruitful church. Because God's mission has not finished. And Jesus says, the, harvest, the fields are white for harvest. Pray that the Lord of the harvest might send out or thrust out more people into his harvest field. There is more work to be done. 
And when we send people, we don't send them as lone rangers, God willing. We send them in partnership. And today, as we even look at this passage in Romans, we see a sense of what it means to be in partnership in this work of mission, of sending people. And as Paul writes to the Romans, he is explicitly seeking to establish a relationship with the church in Rome so that they might be in partnership in God's mission as Paul fulfills his mission. There's a lot in this passage that we can learn about what it means to support people whom we send. Sending is necessary in God's mission, but it's hard. Christopher Ashe puts it like this, the joy of final gospel gathering around the throne of God has to be preceded in this age by the pain of gospel sending and going. Or partings in the service of reaching the unreached. This may be the painful parting of sending out missionaries or the parting of sending some of our best people to rejuvenate a struggling church or plant a new one. This is what we hope to do. The pain of gospel parting for the joy of the great gathering around the throne of God. We need, however, to send people effectively. What does that mean, to be an effective sending church? Well, we see it here, but first some background, because this passage is actually more like Paul's travel log, his travel plans. Let me give you an example of what is happening as Paul writes to the Romans. We have two friends, Samir and Sheila. They used to attend our church. And then Samir got a job in Abu Dhabi. And we still stay in contact with them. And they say, come and visit us. Why don't you come and visit us in Abu Dhabi? Now, I think Abu Dhabi, that's a great tourist destination in the middle of the desert. But really, my heart is I would love to see Samir and Sheila. But you know, it's just never been the right time. There's been HSCs that have been happening all the time in our house. They're over. But it was never the right time. And frankly, it costs a lot of money to go to Abu Dhabi. And we haven't always had the money. And there's been other priorities and there's been things happening at church. And so for years we've been wanting to go and visit Samir and Sheila in Abu Dhabi, but we've never gone. They're still saying, come and visit us. We're saying, yeah, we'd love to. But here's the thing. There's no way I'm going for a holiday in Abu Dhabi. If I'm going to spend that sort of money, man, I'm going to England and Europe. So if we do one day visit Samir and Sheila, we will do so on the way probably to England. I've been wanting to go to England for years. And it will be a stopover. We love you guys. It's great to see you. Gee, it's hot here. Let's go. (laughs) Can you imagine me writing an email to Samir and Sheila? Love to see you. Can't just at the moment. There's lots going on. In fact, we've got to go to New Zealand first. That's really nice. (laughs) And then after that, we'll come and see you in Abu Dhabi. But we're not going to stop. We're on our way to England. That is exactly what Paul writes to the Romans. Different context, but exactly that sort of plan. However, he is not planning a holiday, but a mission. Paul's mission is his burning passion for the gospel. He has been sent 
first by the Lord Jesus Christ, called apart, turned into an exile and sent to the Gentiles, to the nations. But secondly, he's been sent by the church in Antioch, which is in today's Syria. In fact, if we read in chapter 13 of Acts, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. That's a good church. There was Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, who we know as Paul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set aside for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them to. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. Paul, Saul and Barnabas, or Paul and Barnabas, sent on mission by the church in Antioch. And here we have one of the first principles for effective sending. They sent their best. They had prophets and teachers, a handful. And two of them, Barnabas and Saul, they sent on mission. It cost the church in Antioch to send Paul and Barnabas, but the mission mattered. And from this sending from Antioch, Paul went on three missionary journeys all around Cyprus and what today we call Turkey, Greece, Syria and Palestine. And they sent their best. They chose the right people. Secondly, second principle, they sent those who were driven by a passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ, with a passion for the mission. When we go back to our passage, just before our passage in verse 19, Paul says, here's his passion, from Jerusalem in verse 19, all the way around to Elycrium, which let's call that Albania, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. Paul is a man on a mission. He has a burning passion. And what actually prevented Paul from going to Rome was not that he had other holiday plans or didn't have enough money it was his burning passion for mission, for the gospel. He's been so busy preaching between Jerusalem and Elycrium and sharing the gospel that he hasn't had time to go to Rome where there already is a church. And when he comes to Rome, a bit like us going to see Samir and Sheila, it's just going to be for a stopover because he's got other fish to fry. Verse 22. This is why I have been often hindered from coming to you. I've just got so much work to do to preach the gospel. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing to see you for many years, I plan to do so when I go to Spain, the wild, wild west. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company. For all, it's like us turning up in Abu Dhabi and saying, listen, I'm here, guys. Can you help us get to England? Because we really want to go there. Now, however, he says, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. So you see, Paul, he's got to go to Jerusalem first, to the wild, wild east, then back and over to Rome and a bit further west on to Spain. I'm going to stop through and stop and see you on the way. 
But there is another priority I must first fulfil on my mission. For Macedonia and Ikea, that's churches in Greek, Greece, Macedonia and Ikea were pleased to make a contribution for the poor amongst the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessing, they owe it to the Jews to share with them in their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this fruit, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. Paul is on mission and a central part of this mission is the uniting of Jew and Gentile and a major part for that for him is taking material blessings, finances from the churches in Greece all the way back to Jerusalem, to the Jewish church in Jerusalem so that the Jewish church in Jerusalem would know that there is unity amongst the followers of Jesus and to bless them because they're struggling, they're poor. That's Paul's mission and then then I want to go to Spain and I'll see you guys on the way. Now there's a third important principle of sending that I think comes out of this. First we send our best. We send those who have a great passion for Christ and his mission. And then we release them. Paul is working out his mission. The church in Antioch is not telling Paul what he, they must do. The church in Rome that he's going and seeking support from is not telling Paul what he must do. Paul is on mission with the Lord Jesus. He is seeing the needs. He is seeing the opportunity. When we send people from our church, we must release them to minister the gospel as they see fit. It's not our agenda that matters. It's not that we own them or control them that matters. Because the right people with the right purpose on mission for Jesus will find the right work to do. Because they are not serving us but God. And we are partners in mission, in their going, in their being sent. And so it is. We have sent from our church Christine Dillon to Taiwan, Jeff and Beth to Central Asia, The Apostle Paul was sent by the church in Antioch. We hope in our church vision to send out God willing, if God would so bless, even two teams to bless others in strategic kingdom work. We hope to send out other leaders, maybe other people on mission overseas. And when we do that, we then wipe our hands and say, you're on your own now because you have to make your own decisions. We release you and we send out mavericks. Well, some people may want to go on mission as mavericks. Maybe that's why they want to go on mission because they're essentially mavericks, but they're not the people God wants because that's not effective mission. If we're sending people out, there must always be partnership and so we will always need to invest in ongoing relationship because relationships matter. Do you know, Paul returned to the church in Antioch. He travelled all the way over to Greece through Turkey, Cyprus. He returned to the church in Antioch three times because they sent him. And while he was there, he spent significant time with him investing in relationship. Acts chapter 14 is the first time he returned to Antioch. We read verses 27 and 28. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. This is after their first missionary journey. 
On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples because relationships matter. They are in partnership together. And it takes time to work on relationships. Paul is writing to the Romans seeking to develop a relationship so that they may bless him. So the reason he's writing to the Romans, he's seeking, firstly, practical support. Verse 24. I plan to visit you when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there. It's a right thing to ask for practical support from those who have sent you. It is hard to work for Jesus where his name is not known. People will not support you with practical matters. They will actually oppose you at times. So when Christine comes and visits us, it's right for her to ask for practical support. It's right for Jeff and Beth. It's right for VetNet in Mongolia to ask for practical support, which will often be our finances, so that they can live in places where Jesus' name is not so well known. And we help and support them. That's part of relationship. We set aside a portion of our budget for partnership in the gospel. And maybe you also set aside a portion of your money even directly for missionaries that you support personally. And that's a good and a right thing to do. It's partnership in the gospel. But the thing is we can think that that is all that's needed. We can think that that's all the missionary wants, that they just want our money or our practical support. And if we think that we are so, so, so very wrong, that's just the starting point. It wasn't the main goal for Paul. At the start of his letter to the Romans, Paul writes to the Romans about very similar themes. He says in verse 8 of chapter 1, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his Son is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I really want to see you. I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Paul has them in his heart. He wants to bless them. He wants to share with them some spiritual gift. This, is, this relationships are not a one-way street. This is mutual encouragement. If we go back to our passage in chapter 15, we see this same principle. Oh, sorry, chapter 1, verse 13. I'm wrong. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I plan to come to planned many times to come to you, but I've been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest amongst you. 
just as I have had amongst the other Gentiles. Paul wants to go to Rome because he's an evangelist and he wants to bless them by preaching the gospel in Rome that others may come to faith. That's his spiritual gift, exercised. He wants to do ministry with the Romans. But even more than that, he wants just a simple, pure pleasure of relationship. Back in chapter 15. I plan to visit you and have you assist me on my journey to Spain after I have enjoyed your company for a while. I just want to enjoy being with you. Verse 28. I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I just want to be with you and have the joy of that. Verse 32, Paul prays that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. We need relationships with those we sent just to enjoy them. The pleasure of being with people we love. Just to enjoy their company and find rest together. Now at the moment, Christine Dillon, whom we support to serve God in Taiwan, is on home assignment. She is back in Australia. She needs our practical support to continue her ministry. And so she's right to ask for that. That's what you do in families. If you need practical support in families, you ask for it. But more than that, she seeks to bless us as we bless her. She has a particular spiritual gift, a ministry in storytelling and encouraging others to be engaged in storytelling, the stories of the scriptures. It's wonderful that she can do that with us. But you know, there's even more, just having Christine back here and seeing her from time to time when she's not at other churches in other jobs doing other... It's just a joy to have Christine with us. And I hope it's a joy for her so she can find a sense of refreshment and peace and love in this community. Jeff and Beth in Central Asia, they need so much more than our money. If we are going to be partners in their mission, they need our hearts. They need our thoughts and our love and our prayers. Effective relationship in mission. And so it is with Paul. You know what Paul needs more than anything else? You know in this section what he's asked for more than anything else? He wants their prayers. Paul pleads with them. Because when we're praying, our partnership in the gospel is most effectively expressed. Because it's relatively easy to share money and kind of a joy to share company and maybe newsletters and encouragement, but to pray, to wrestle in prayer together, that is hard work. That is commitment. That is serious work. Paul writes, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join with me in my struggle by praying to God for me. It's a very strong word. Will you wrestle with me? Will you fight alongside me in prayer? Says Paul. 
I need your prayers. I plead for that. And he's got two requests in this prayer. First request, pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea. There will always be resistance to effective mission. There will be spiritual opposition and attack because our battle is not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. And we engage against them in prayer. Pray that the Lord would rescue those on mission from them, from the ones who explicitly oppose their work. Secondly, Paul's second prayer request. Pray that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. Pray that there will be doors opened, that the ministry will be well received. So that Paul, having done that in Jerusalem, having had his gift accepted in Jerusalem, may go to Rome with joy because his ministry has been accepted well. The wonderful thing about prayer and why people we send needs it, you know, it crosses all borders. It goes straight into Taiwan, straight into Mongolia, straight into Central Asia. So will we pray? If you have a look in your bulletins, there's a very brief little section in there about Jeff and Beth. They've had a tough few weeks. They're often having tough weeks. Just recently the financial system in the country where they are is very close to collapse. It is hard to get money out of the bank to pay the workers. What can we do? Ring up the bank, give Jeff the money he needs, don't hold back. Well, they're not going to listen to you. But there is someone who will. Pray about it. Pray for Jeff's ministry. That opposition may be overcome, that the doors may be opened. Wrestle in prayer for those who have been sent. And as Paul writes this prayer, you know, he also then prays for the Romans. And that the, may the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Just a brief little prayer. But it's right for us to expect, because we're in partnership together, it's right for us to expect, for example, Jeff and Beth to pray for us and our mission here. Because we're in partnership and prayer matters. At the start of his letter, just after those introductory bits I was reading about Paul's travel plans, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the nations or the Gentiles. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. We have good news. We have this gospel. We live in a world, in a city, in a nation where in many places Jesus is not known, certainly not as Lord. And it is right to be expected, just like in Antioch, that many will stay in this fellowship and minister out of this fellowship. But it is right and proper to expect that some will be sent from us to grow the kingdom. Might I say, particularly from a relatively wealthy church in a fairly well-educated part of um, 
the biggest city in Australia, where there are actually many Christians, proportionately, it is right, it is proper to expect that many will be sent from here. We should have a passion to be a fruitful church and therefore to send people. That we might be exiles, realising that this is not our home, that eternity is our home with the Lord Jesus. That we are exiles but who are fit for mission, to partnership in his mission. Longing that others would find their place in the kingdom of God and find life. So what do we do? Well, we should be sending our best those who demonstrate a passion for the Lord Jesus. And when we send them, we need to release them. And as they go, we don't let go of them. We release them, but we have them in our hearts. And so we keep investing in relationship to love and support and equip them to do the work God has called them to do. But most of all, we need to pray for those whom we've sent. And pray and pray again, because it's Christ's work they seek to do and they can only do it by the power of his spirit. And the harvest is plentiful. The fields are white for harvest, but the workers are few. We need to pray that the Lord would thrust out from our midst more into his harvest field. And you perhaps need to pray. Here am I. Send me. Let's pray.